From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Pastor Mike Douglas here, along with Elaine Harlan, our co-host and our producer here at Lighthouse Live. And, of course, with us, our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And uh, joining us tonight, special guest, and this is just going to be, uh, this is one of those fun things to do during, you know, this holiday season where you, you meet new people and, and ABC just, you know, God brings just precious people into our lives, and we're going to introduce one of them to you tonight. And that comes via uh, the Energizer Bunny, John Engel, uh, our field <laughs> foreman, uh, who's out there all the time. And uh, John uh, has met a wonderful woman that we'll be introducing to you in just a few moments. And what a story. And we'll be talking to her in just a, just a few minutes. Thank you to all of the volunteers and listeners that we saw on the parade route uh, this, this Saturday night. Yes. That was that was a fun thing, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it a little was. bit cold out there, but uh, the Modesto celebration of lights, uh, great time. Had the fire engine out there, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a lot of work went into that, huh, Mister yeah. Al? But yes. uh, we just had a, a wonderful time. And uh, thanks also to those of you that we met uh, at uh, Lakewood mm-hmm. uh, Memorial Park as we uh, honored uh, those whose. Uh, relatives have been interred at uh, at Lakewood this past year, and also we honored uh, those whose uh, family members perished during uh, Pearl Harbor Day on December 7, 1941, 7.55 in the morning. And uh, it was great to uh, be able to honor those families and uh, the memory of, of those veterans as well. Well, again, uh, welcome to Lighthouse Live, especially to those of you joining us internationally and especially those in those places that we can't even pronounce. <laughs> Always wonderful to have you with us, those of you uh, in Europe. Right now, before we go on, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, this is Toby Mack with another story of a real-life Jesus freak. In Berlin, Bulgaria, some 40 years ago, Trofim Dimitrov had broken a prison rule and would pay the ultimate price, literally going to the dogs. As guards led him to the pit, Dimitrov prayed fervently, not for himself, but for his enemies. They threw him down to the hungry, barking dogs. Immediately, a great howling was heard. When the officers looked into the pit, they saw Brother Dimitrov kneeling in prayer and the dogs in a panic. Barking wildly, the dogs were trying to jump the walls in order to save themselves from the strange power emanating from Brother Dimitrov. For more true stories from the Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.com. You know, Elaine, as uh, I was listening to that, I'm thinking of the of the power of, of prayer mm-hmm. uh, displayed in our lives. And we, we had some junior hires 
uh, out, uh, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, uh, painting out graffiti right in the in the tough gang areas uh, here in Modesto. And, and for those of you who know our region, uh, very heavy uh, Sorreños and Norteños presence. Mm-hmm. And uh, the junior hires out there, and we, we allowed them to pray. For the bangers and and for the neighborhoods, and what a precious thing to to hear their hearts as they just prayed that that these kids that are shooting each other up and and painting the walls would come to know the Lord. And and uh, I'm thinking of you know this uh, this person in Bulgaria many many years ago praying in the midst of a crisis like that, and how God shows up in incredible ways, doesn't it? it? Certainly does. When we uh, when we bring those to yeah. Him. Well, speaking up, uh, showing up in credible ways, let's check in with Brad Dacus and the Pacific Justice Institute. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Those who seek to silence Christians in the public square are at it again this Christmas season. Pacific Justice Institute is responding to several reports of intimidation. A school cafeteria worker was reprimanded for saying Merry Christmas to students. Fifth graders were told that their song selection for the holiday program could not mention Christmas due to the, quote, separation of church and state. Well, the courts have clearly stated that Christmas can be celebrated unapologetically in schools, government offices, and private businesses. So PGI will be close monitoring this season to ensure that religious expression is not suppressed by government or any other Grinch. Merry Christmas to all. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. You know, isn't it the pits when people find out that First Amendment rights extend to everybody? Including Christians. Oh, ridiculousness. Ridiculous. Well, let's move on to the Volunteer Center of the United Way, where we have opportunities to serve our community. The Alzheimer's Affiliates of Stanislaw County is having their 21st annual holiday poinsettia sale. Now, I don't know. Is it poinsettia or poinsettia? I've heard it said both ways. I've never asked one. These (laughs) these beautiful Christmas plants, but they are beautiful. And uh, I tell you what, you enjoy them at this time of the year. I can never keep them alive after the holidays, so I don't know, but they are beautiful this time of the year. They're offering beautiful florist quality poinsettias and delivery service to the public to raise funds for program services to the community. And what they need are volunteers to deliver from starting December 15th to deliver poinsettias to businesses and private residents throughout our county. Volunteer drivers must be at least 18 years of age and have your own vehicle. Current California driver's license, (laughs) Mr. Al wants to volunteer. Alzheimer's affiliates of Stanislaw County provide supportive services and educational programs to Alzheimer's victims and their family members and caregivers in the community. A very good thing for us to get involved in, mm. with, indeed. The American Red Cross with their holiday gift wrap uh, with shoes for kids and blankets for the homeless programs. Another great thing. The holiday gift wrap uh, is an opportunity to drop off your gifts at the Red Cross office uh, or to have volunteer wrappers come to your business and to wrap your employees' gifts uh, on site for a small donation. 
Uh, volunteers are needed to wrap gifts at the agency or for employees at participating uh, businesses during normal business <laughs> They've hours. They've never seen my wrapping <laughs> job. <laughs> well, you know. Oh, please, no. I, I, I'm not so great at that either. But that's why these people hey, that's, do this. That's why they make you know, duct that's tape. Why they, duct tape. Oh, my goodness. You know, at the parade, they even make red duct tape. They I couldn't do make believe red that. Duct tape. They all sorts I was of colors so duct impressed. Tape. But these guys probably do not use red duct tape for In their fact, wrapping. John paper. is using duct tape is a bandage right now. Yes, on his he thumb. is. You Unbelievable. Because he's, he's a using, real man. And he uses Real men don't tape. use little... Okay. Were you trying to get through I something I am. There? And you we, know, I'm sur- sure that the American Red Cross people do not use duct tape on their holiday gift wrap. So. I'm certain that they don't. No. And their volunteers do not either. They, they are classy people and they will they beautifully wrap your gifts. So the American Red Cross Shoes for Kids program uh, supplying new shoes for low-income youth and preschool to sixth grade throughout Stanislaw County. The American Red Cross is a humanitarian organization led by volunteers Volunteers, we love volunteers, and they provide relief to victims of disaster and help prevent, prepare for, and respond to emergencies. And we believe that our American Red Cross here in Stanislaw County is second to none. Senior facilities, spend time with seniors. We love this this kind of volunteering because this is one of the best. You can gain a new friend for the holidays and beyond. And I want to stress that beyond part because certainly the holidays is important, but I'll tell you what, local care homes, convalescent hospitals and retirement facilities throughout our county and all over the world. I don't know, wherever you're listening, uh, there's a place for you to volunteer and, and visit these types of places because there are people inside these places that do not have family members and people to visit them. Special festive activities going on throughout uh, this month that we're in, December. Christmas carols, uh, putting up holiday decorations, opening presents, serving refreshments, certainly uh, volunteers and Seniors can talk and laugh and swap stories, read books, cards, letters, play games, and just attend parties, do all kinds of fun things uh, during the month of December, uh, teach arts and crafts, but, you know, musical instruments, all of those fun things. But this, these kinds of things can go on all year long, and they should. So we just encourage our volunteers to uh, do these kinds of things. And as you're going to see tonight, there are exciting adventures to be had, and we are going to be talking with a lady who has had one exciting life, and we can't wait to get to that, and we will in just a few moments. Now, if any of these items uh, appeal to you, please contact Barbara Borba. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113, or you can email Barbara. She's at bborba at uwaystan.org, and she would love to hear from you. Now, I also want to mention a few things that we have posted on our website. If you have a double stroller, you know, like if you have twins and and, and you're not using a double stroller anymore, we have a family in need. As a matter of fact, the Head Start uh, at Orville Wright School here in Modesto contacted ABC this morning. A precious family had their double stroller stolen. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? I'm totally serious. And what they need is a replacement double stroller. For their two little ones. So if you happen to have a double stroller and you would like to donate it, please contact us here at the ABC office, and we will make sure that uh, that gets uh, connected to this this family. Grand Theft Stroller. Grand Theft Stroller. Theft Stroller. I have to be careful. That's kind of hard I to I've seen say. a new video game, Grand Theft Stroller. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, furniture uh, needed this week, beds, dressers, and kitchen tables, and laundry facilities that work. 
we want to emphasize that work. So if you have uh, washers and dryers that work, please give us a call. We have an awesome team of guys that come out and pick stuff up. And uh, we're not garbage collectors or repair guys, so but uh, these guys do donate their time each week to pick up furniture and donated items and deliver them to families that need them. So uh, give us a call at 209-544-9571, and we will uh, get those needed items uh, where they belong and happy to do that. Well, they don't come any finer than our guest tonight. And uh, we just are honored to have with us a veteran of World War II. I am just so impressed. And we thank you, uh, Kathleen Savell, for serving your country. And uh, she's been a faithful wife, a mother, a grandmother, and a volunteer for many, many years. And uh, now she's writing about all of it. And we are so thankful that God made the connection through, uh, as Pastor Mike said earlier, uh, through ABC and through through John Ingle because uh, the call came in for a need back in uh, well it was 2005 I looked on the database uh, and it was 2000 it was 05 uh, when the call came in and uh, we sent John out to uh, do some things for you and uh, just what a, a precious connection that was and we want to thank you for joining us tonight on the program here at Lighthouse Live welcome to the show and. Uh, Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be here. 84 years young. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you're still going strong. Well, yeah. (laughs) Sort of. I still volunteer some at Salvation Army Red Shield. Oh, my goodness. In my neighborhood. Um, There's a great need for volunteers there. But I've kind of slowed down doing that. What an inspiration you are, Kathleen. We have a lot of good kids there Mm. from the neighborhood that need love, understanding, and just somebody to be with. Kathleen, yesterday we uh, memorialized uh, Pearl Harbor Day. After The day after that, of course, the United States entered World War II officially. Take us back... What is that, 67 years ago now? And, and uh, take us back, and, and how did you get involved in, in the war effort? Well, I ran away from home. I was 16 years old. Mm. And in those days, they didn't ask you your age or ask you if you finished high school like they do today. Right. And I joined the Air Force, the Woman's Army Air Corps. It wasn't the Air Force then. And when Pearl Harbor came, I was in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia, in training. And, of course, we got all got excited and volunteered to go. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and so they sent us, and for the rest, I, I went to India for a while. And uh, that's where I met my husband. Wow. They had, the Japanese were coming over bombing the airport. And we had trenches and foxholes. And, but sometimes you didn't want to get on them because they were cobras. And, <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when that happens. So, yeah. So I jumped in one and somebody jumped in on top of me. And he later became my husband. <laughs> so he literally jumped on top of you. Yeah. What 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 were you thinking at that moment? I what mean. do you think you're doing? I said. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And, of course, later on, they sent him back to the state seal, and I was the one that took care of him. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Now, where in India was this? Burma, near Burma. Near Burma. Mm-hmm. And uh, so was there a firefight going on at the time? Is that why you jumped in the foxhole? Yeah. The Japanese would come over and strafe the, mm. the runway. And at the time, I didn't know it, but my husband was drinking real heavy. And he, they had that 100% alcohol. <laughs> and a lot of times he wouldn't get in the foxhole or the trench. He would lay on the runway shooting up at the airplane. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I don't know how those bullets missed him. I think they knew God was going to use him later. Mm, God had a be. plan for his uh, life, didn't yeah, he? That he did. Be. His name was... Well, your husband's name was... Uh, Bill. Bill, okay. William. William. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he was a fantastic person, but I, I had never been around people a lot, so I didn't know. Uh, he was really an alcoholic, but I didn't know that. So we were married 10 years, and he became a Christian, and wow. He, wow. he came home. He threw his liquor away, his <clears throat> cigarettes, oh. and he never had another one. He was 28 years old when wow. he did that. Wow. Praise God. And, uh, now, that, so so after... You met in close quarters in the foxhole. <laughs> Very close. How did, how did you get connected again? What, uh, how did that well, happen? that was when I got sent back to Fort Sumner, New Mexico. Uh, he came in ill from there. And at first I didn't recognize him. I was assigned three patients, and he was one of them. Hmm. And every time I'd walk by him, he'd reach out and touch me. <laughs> and he kept telling me that, we were going to get married someday. And Is that right, really? And uh, now, did he recognize you from the fox? Yeah, hole? he did, but oh, I didn't. Did. Well, recognize you didn't know. Him. Okay, uh, all right. And uh, it was really kind of nice. And I'm not sorry that I went through that ten year first ten years with him because mm-hmm. he was good and he was funny. Mm-hmm. After he quit drinking, he wasn't that funny, but he was nice and he was he was good to his children. And, he used to go out and bring him home. Every time somebody said there's a child that needed care, he'd go get him. Is that right? Wow. wow. And, uh, now, where were you living? Uh, at first in L.A. Okay. And then we moved to Livermore. Mm-hmm. He was flying for World Airways at the time. And uh, then I decided that I I had two kids left at this time, and I decided to go back to school and uh get my credentials to be a teacher. Right. So I did that. I was 55 then. Wow. And uh, so in 1975, I was down to two children, one girl, one boy, and they were about ready to leave home. And Bill walked in the door with four Vietnamese oh, children. Is that right? Vietnam had closed down, and mm. he was the last plane out. Wow. And I just looked at him and said, I'm not taking care of him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he'd bring him home, and then he'd go on a trip, and guess who took care of him? So... <laughs> How does that work anyway? Well, it's just... Uh, I don't know, but I told him I wouldn't. He said, yeah, but if I take them back, the Viet, the Viet Cong would kill them. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, they stayed with us. Uh, we didn't adopt those children. They stayed with us through college. They wow. got their citizenship. 
and they're back in Vietnam now working for American companies. And they look for their families, which they had lost most of them. Sure. So you did care for them? Pardon? You did care for them, didn't you? Kathy? Oh, yeah. And of course you uh, did. And we, I mean, I really loved them. It wasn't, mm. it wasn't just, I just didn't want that responsibility no more when he walked in the door sure. with them. But uh, it, they turned out okay, and they were good kids. They now, all went to college. How many children total did you take care of? Well, those early at, years. at one time we had 11, but we had 100, well, we had 32 foster children. My goodness. But not at the same time. Right. No more than 11. I hope not. <laughs> no more than 11 at once. Wow. But, but Bill, he thought it was okay to have them, but he would leave, and he had to work, and he'd be gone a week, two weeks at a time. Now, he was a pilot? Did he... Stay he was a, a flight engineer. Flight engineer, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was a very smart man and really very good. Uh, I guess I couldn't have asked for anything better. So he's working for commercial airlines yes. after he left the Air yes. Force? Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, we just had a wonderful time together. And mm-hmm. then I lost him seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, well, he actually, became... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was going to say he became ill. You were sharing that he uh, he had, had at the last ten years he had Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, mm. yes. And I kept him home, and I did. He did get taken from me at one point when he hit a doctor at the veterans, mm. and they said he was too dangerous mm. to, for me to take home, and they kept him six weeks and. Uh, uh, they had a new doctor come in one day, and I told her I'd like to take him home. She said, go ahead. <laughs> oh, is that and, right? Yeah. yeah, and then the social workers called Adult Protector Services here in Modesto, Modesto and, uh-huh. and they came to see if that I was okay. And every time they'd come, he was so sweet. Mm-hmm. Now, was, had you been around someone with Alzheimer's before, before that? No. Kathleen, so That's you, the first yeah, time I did, yeah. ever had any experience. And it's terrible disease because they're on the inside trying to get out, mm-hmm. and they just don't know how. And they try to fight it. I'm sure he did. And he uh, passed away in 202. Mm-hmm. Had an aneurysm, and I'd take care of him another ten years if I could get Amen. him back. Yes, of course. But I don't think that's ever going to be. Let's talk about very briefly. <clears throat> you said your husband became a Christian after he was out of the Air Force. Is mm-hmm. that right? What about you? How did you uh, meet the Lord? Well, I think I always believed <clears throat> in that story I wrote and yes, gave you yes. when I was real young, even five years old. Uh, my uh, dad was very abusive, mm. and that's all I had to turn to was prayer. Mm. And I don't know how I learned to read, but I could read the Bible, and I memorized a lot of chapters, mm. that which really stays with me today. Yeah. That's something nobody will ever take away from me. Amen. And, uh, But I don't think I was like, I don't think I was a true Christian like Bill. You know, um, that's an interesting thing to say. So what, one, what do you mean one by day that? I did. I heard. I think I heard a voice saying, "You're you're saved." Mm. 
I think I heard that, but I, you know, you always, I, when I hear people say, God mm. told me this and God told me that, mm-hmm. I just wonder, mm. you know. Yeah. I know one of the veterans that I wrote about, uh, he came back in a very bad condition, and he told me that they had told his family that he would never, never be well. And he said he was standing out in the yard at the veterans' hospital, and this white light came at him. Mm. And it went through him and said, you're healed. Wow. And he got out of that hospital in a week. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, He's now in uh, Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he used to go to the Red Shield and to the veterans over here where I go. Well, I'm not going to the support group at the veterans anymore because it, it was just all men. And I, w- I didn't feel comfortable. Not to <clears throat> have you had any contact with any other wax or, uh, after the war? Or? Well, I did for a while, but mm-hmm. not anymore. I lost contact. Did you? Yeah. I think you do that with a lot of people, you know. Well, and, and, and you know, as, as I've um, been with many families of, of World War II veterans, um, m- many of them choose not to relive that history. For a variety of <clears throat> for a variety of different uh, different reasons. Well, I can understand that. Yeah. Uh, someday, if I have time, I'll bring the story I wrote to you about Roy, hmm. and I can understand why they wouldn't want to relive it. Yeah. And a lot of things I did in the service, I don't want to revisit that. Sure. Hmm. And uh, although I have talked about it and wrote about it, does that help? Writing. Processing through it. Yeah, it it does. Mm. It does. We were talking earlier, and you express yourself so wonderfully. And you were saying that a lot of times you can write things that you can't necessarily say to people. And uh, we actually share a lot in common. We <laughs> we came to that conclusion in about five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and talking with one or one another, um, our our childhoods were very much alike. He said, why had my dad scowled through life? Why had he been so angry with his children, so brutal with his love? And uh, you were talking about finding forgiveness and hiding the pain and how you dealt with that even uh, in your later years and uh, being 84 years old and, and how you're just able to look at it at this season of your life. And I just admire how you, how you deal with that. Yeah, I always thought that when you get out of a situation like that, that it's your choice which way to go. Mm. And you can choose one way which is wrong and the other way which is right and more productive also. And I had brothers and sisters, and I could see the damage in them. Mm. In fact, I had a relationship with four of my brothers after we all grew up. And I had to stop seeing them because they were a bad influence on my children. Mm, mm. And they were out there looking for love and didn't know how to get it. And they were hated. They hated everybody. Mm. But that's what they were taught. And they didn't know when they got older they could stop that. Where where were you in the siblings? Were you the oldest, youngest? I was about the middle. About the middle. Of nine children. Okay. Wow. Wow. My dad had a big job beating everybody all day long. 
Yeah, he must mm. have been tired at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, God has really gifted you, Kathleen, with the ability to uh, have a sense of humor and to see these things through God's eyes and uh, to be able to process uh, through all of this. Has God allowed you to reach other women who may have gone through similar things? Well, yes, in mm -hmm. the support group uh, mm -hmm. that I've gone to, and especially to its Salvation Army. We used to have down there a, a senior for women. And now that, you know, since the finances are bad, the director isn't working there anymore, so mm -hmm. we don't have that. But we can still go down there and talk and and we stay friends by phone. And, uh, it helps to be able to talk to people who've been through similar things. And it's interesting how God uses those experiences to allow you to help others mm -hmm. through that same process. It really helps to talk about it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, well, I did write about it. And I kept tearing it up after I'd write it. Mm. Because I didn't know if that was the right thing to put down, you know, mm. on paper. Another thing, my children don't know what I went through. So I'm not sure I want them to know. But uh, they were raised in a Christian home, so it might not hurt if they did know, especially if I wrote it the right way, you know. And uh, I have one son that's a missionary, and uh, he goes to Mexico he snuck into Cuba and got arrested. Oh, my. And <laughs> he went back, though. So he's kind of adventurous like his yeah. mom, right? And I, I told him, though, you know what? God said he'd protect you. Mm. And if you if you walk by a rattlesnake and you pick it up to see if God's going to protect you, that's tempting God, and that's not right. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's been back to Cuba since I told him yeah. that. But he goes to Venezuela, and they're going to open a school there. Wow, awesome. And, you know, everything that kid touches turns to gold. Mm. He gets more support than you could ever think of. Wow. So, and his wife, too. She's, I can't leave her out. <laughs> She's a precious little commodity to him. Shining examples. Well, they had a wonderful uh, example in, in you, Kathleen, and, and that's a, a great testimony indeed. You bet. Well, we are talking about it this week with Kathleen, and uh, we'll be back we'll, with more right after this song from Nicole C. Mullen. She's going to talk about it on Lighthouse Live, and we will, too, right after this. Tell rich and poor in slavery, the king is on at the decree, ransom all captivity. Ring the bells of liberty He sacrifices everything to buy his new identity So
Nicole C. Mullen, talk about it, and we're going to talk about it. The Redeemed of the Lord, right here on Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike, Elaine, and Kathleen Savell with us, along with the ever-ready Energizer Bunny, John Engel, who (laughs) connected us, uh, so to speak, with Kathleen in a very up-close and personal way. We served uh, Kathleen with some needs here at AVC, but we uh, got connected with her uh, on Lighthouse Live tonight. We don't always do that with the people we serve, but in this case, we did. Kathleen has a very exciting uh, story to tell. We particularly (laughs) were intrigued with the way she met her husband, the fact that she uh, was a veteran of World War II. Uh, she writes about her story and just is an incredible inspiration uh, to the rest of us, uh, volunteering and still volunteering, as a matter of fact, aren't you, Kathleen? Yeah, I do sometimes, but I did get sick not too long ago, and I just kind of backed off. And I try to keep in touch to see that the younger people at the Salvation Army will volunteer, which is really kind of hard to get them to do. You know, there's, and and sadly, I think, a a generational thing about this. I mean, you you look at the generation uh, coming out of the Depression and and post-World War II, and there are generations that understand uh, working for a living, that, that understand serving others, that understand the, the rights and the freedoms that we have come at a, come at a cost, uh, but also who value time and life. And, uh, Kathleen Savell has, has written a, a poem, uh, recently published, uh, in the Doctor's Hospital newsletter, yes. uh, here in Modesto. And I think it typifies because, you know, I think of John, you, uh, and, when I, when I read this as well. It's called What I Did Today. And uh, would you allow me to read that, Kathleen? Would that be okay? She writes, what did I do today? Is anyone happier because I passed their way? Does anyone remember that I spoke today? The day is almost over, and its toiling time is through, you see. Now, is there anyone to utter just one kindly word for me? Can I say tonight in parting with the day that's slipping fast that I helped a single person of the many that I passed. Is a single heart rejoicing over what I did or said? Does the one whose hopes were fading now with courage look ahead? Did I waste the day or use it? Was it well or sorely spent? Did I leave a trail of kindness or a scar of discontent? When I close my eyes in slumber, do I think I can say... I have earned one more tomorrow by what I did today. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Oh, I Isn't love that powerful? That. Kathleen, wow. that just gives me chills. I, I love Ooh. that 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 line three three lines up from the end, Kathleen. Did I leave a trail of kindness or a scar of discontent? That. What what prompted you to write that? What that that sounds like something God put inside of you and yes. and just kind of bubbled up. Well, I think uh, working with the kids at Salvation Army this summer, we we had about 140 children, mm-hmm. and I I think because one of the women said something that wasn't really nice to them. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought, now that child's going to go away with that in his heart, and he's not going to let it go for a long time until maybe someday he'll grow up. So I made it a point when the child came afterwards to be with him. And regardless of what anybody thinks, those children that come, this is a bad part of town where the Salvation Army is. Uh, I think if people would just know those children are not bad children. Mm-hmm. Every one of them are polite and nice. I've never had one of them be rude to me. And I used to feed them a lot, you know, work in that hot kitchen. <laughs> and they just come up and thank you. And I remember one incident. I spilled a bucket of water, and I started to mop it up, and this young boy ran over and said, uh, you're not supposed to be working like that. Let me do it. Oh, how sweet. So if you, I think if you show them that you care, they will show you. Respect and, goes two mm-hmm. ways, doesn't it? And if, you, if you're mean to them, they're going to be mean mm-hmm. back. That's all they know. And a lot of those children over there, they're from families that don't really feed them uh, and probably don't feed them love or anything. And if we could just get some of them, we do have some going to the church or to the little children's meetings. Uh, I think that would be a great thing. And most of the women that work there are very congenial with the children. But we do have one once in a while that's very testy. When you get older sometime, you have that right. <laughs> well, I think, though, in, in the context, Kathleen, that a lot of these kids need to see Jesus in action. Mm-hmm. And they see him through you and your words and and that trail of kindness that uh, that you leave. And uh, just thinking around the table here, you know, this uh, great line here that describes, John, what you do out there every day. And and uh, Mr. Owl over here, and, and works a lot with Habitat uh, for Humanity as well as uh, as AVC. And uh, there's just something about making the use of, of the time that we have to serve. Uh, our Lord came as as a servant, not to be served. And uh, John, you're out there a lot, and and you were the first AVC contact that uh, came in personal contact with Kathleen. And you must have seen something. God must have just uh, opened a window to you, and and you must have thought, "Wow, there's there's a special story here." Talk talk a little bit about your your initial impressions, John, as you met Kathleen. When I first when I first received the work order for it, Elaine, if I'm not mistaken, I believe, said to me, "There's something special about this." She she felt in her heart in in speaking with Catherine that there was something something more than just a heater on the roof that wasn't working, the needs that you had to have and need to have done, there was more to it than that. And uh, when I arrived at her door, and I believe I was rather quick on that dispatch, uh, especially when Elaine uh, says, this is something that's touching my heart, uh, then I like to move on it, because uh, usually it is uh, exactly that. And... uh, so when I did, I met you at the door. You know, for me, I can only speak for me, when you, when you meet somebody 
and you look at them and, and you see their eyes and you see their movement and you see their their physical action and their mental action and their attitude and everything, this stuff all starts to calculate to a formula. It makes sense. It makes sense in the sense that it's doing something and showing you that this person has a heart, that this person has a need. We all have needs, but it's how we respond and how we ask for those needs and how deserving we are of those needs. And so when I met you, I knew that you didn't have heat, and, and, and I wasn't, uh, and, and we had uh, two of our marvelous volunteers, uh, Bill and, and Jerry, over there, and because I'd asked them uh, prior to meeting you, because I didn't have time on that, we wanted to get to the job, so I asked Bill and Jerry if you'd run over there and take care of it, look at it, and check it out, and they did. And then Bill responded to me uh, that uh, that was more than he was able to do and uh, that there was other problems there regarding the heater up on the roof. So then I went over, and that's when I met you. And and then uh, uh, I had called my friend uh, Dennis Lopez, and uh, we moved on it, and uh, that was the day before Thanksgiving. And then we finished it up on Thanksgiving Day. We went up there and worked on Thanksgiving. Uh, how important that was to get uh, Kathleen heat. I sure appreciated that too, John. And and mm-hmm. uh, so anyway, that's you were you were moved. You were moved to do a request, and by making that request, you met some people that were very moved by you. And now here you sit at Advancing Vibrant Community telling other people about your life. This isn't all just happened. Bill and Jerry were very moved. In fact, they come in here and, and responded to uh, Pastor Mike and, and Elaine uh, about you, how moved they were, and how they enjoy doing something for a lady like you with an yes. attitude like yours. They were very moved by that. And so were their wives who volunteer at the hospital and got a hold of this poem that Pastor Mike just read. That inspired so many people, Kathleen. It was just, just incredible. You touched a lot of lives. What would you say, Kathleen? Because, we, you know, in, in our culture today... Uh, we as a culture are prone to um, having pity parties about our condition, uh, <laughs> blaming things on other people, uh, waiting for someone to do something for us, and uh, really staying within our four walls and, and not reaching out and, and serving others. You've had a lifetime of serving, you know, whether it's being a mom or uh, with the Air Force or caring uh, as the primary caregiver for your husband. Uh, you have cared for people your your whole life. What would you say to, to folks today about um, getting up and sacrificing and reaching out and, and giving a little of your time and your effort to help other people? Well, I think it's about the most rewarding thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. And when those people need you don't have to really work physically, but when they need your love and understanding, mm. and if you give it, it makes a difference in their lives. And 
So I have, I really have tried to do that. Sometimes I fail. And sometimes I think, why me? <laughs> I think like my dad used to say, why me, Lord? <laughs> but not like his way. He, I, I just say that because sometimes I get frustrated and I don't know sure. which way to go. Mm-hmm. But I think it's great that you can go out and do things. Yeah, I just love. I'm, I'm reading the the first paragraph of one of your writings here. Let me too. just let me just share this. Uh, she begins this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day and the love of her friends. Something happened on my way to eternity. I got old. <laughs> Isn't <And> she, that great? <laughs> she, <laughs> I love it. She too. says, "I don't feel old. I'm a I'm a little hard of hearing." It bugs my kids when I ask them to repeat things, and I like it that way to get even with them for the things they put me through while growing up. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> she said, sometimes I hear when people don't think I can. I've changed my will four times already. <laughs> Friends, we are with Kathleen Sawbill. That made my son angry when he read that. I'll bet it did. I'll bet it did. Oh, we are just so delighted that you are with us tonight, and we'll be back with lots more right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22, 39, to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about AVC involved serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. 
AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. Well, it works. And I, I, I believe that as in our companies, as being uh, formerly a businessman in, in, in Stanislaus County and, and uh, other counties in the state as, as, as well, that uh, our companies were only as, as successful as our weakest link. And I believe that to be the same case in our communities and in our cities, that we can only be as much as we're going to be based upon the capacity and the ability of others to participate at an increased level and quality of, of life. You know, some of us can do, donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them, and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing Vibrant Communities. Faith in action. Pure, simple, proven effective. Carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And you're listening to Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Elaine, and our very special guest, Kathleen Savell. So here we have Kathleen's story, jumping into foxholes in India and and unknown men jumping in the foxhole with her and turns out to be her her future husband meeting him in a in a hospital and taking in uh, over thirty foster children. A great life adventure that God has given you. And let's just pick up. At age 55, you went uh, for your teaching credential, uh, UC Davis. Talk to us a little bit about that part of your life. Okay, well, I decided that I didn't really just want to stay home and take care of kids the rest of my life. So I didn't realize I'm going to have kids at school. <laughs> or I did know it and didn't really care. So... I went to the classes up there for about two years, and I got my teacher's credentials, and what it was for was teaching special children. Good for you. And uh, that's one thing that gave me experience to take care of my husband, because all of those children were either uh, ill from doing too much dope, or they were born with their brains disconnected. But they were very, very special children. And uh, I taught there for two years at Tracy High. And, <coughs> excuse me, and my <coughs> husband decided after me teaching for two years that he decided he was going to retire, which he told me he would never do. Mm. But he changed his mind. 
So he said he didn't want to work anymore. So that meant that if we moved away, I couldn't teach there anymore. So I didn't go to any other school, but I still have my credentials and and their lifetime. So I can still go back. (laughs) You can still. Uh Interesting you said that that prepared you in a way to take care of your husband at the onset of, Mm -hmm. of Alzheimer's. Talk a little bit about... Uh, how those were transferable skills. What did you learn that you were able to uh, use with your husband at that time? Well, you had to be very careful what you said to these kids. Uh, For instance, one time, one of the boys asked me to play. We had a piano in the room, and they asked me to play Green, Green Grass of Home. So I did, and then I started singing. Well, I don't sing good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he said to me, don't, just don't sing that anymore. I don't like it, and I'm never going to trust you again. Mm. So uh, I don't know. I didn't have any trouble with him anymore. And he was a uh, a man, really. He started out when he was born. He was born in an uh, institution for mental people. Oh my. And they kept him there all his life. Mm. And... When they sent him to my class, I began to notice that he had skills, you know, and I talked to his social worker, and he picked up, he finally graduated out of high school, and he didn't even have uh, any idea of what school was when he first started coming to that class. So the day he graduated, we all went, and he came up to me, and he couldn't talk, actually, and, and when he first came to me, and he came to me that day, he graduated, and he said, I bet you're so sorry you ever taught me to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all crying mm. because it was so impressive that he had gone all his life in this mental institution. And then they had, um, they were in a group home, and they kept coming in with bruises on them. Mm. And they would tell me if they asked for something that the the guy's name was Bill that had the group home, that they asked Bill for something, he would hit them. Mm. So we had a meeting at the school, and uh, he said one of the kids told him that I wouldn't let the boy go to the bathroom. And uh, he said, and i got to believe them, they don't lie. I said, well, then they're not lying when they say you've been hitting them. Mm. So the social worker took took all of them out and put them in another group home, wow. Wow. and he had been punishing them. And uh, so and it's things like that you have to look out for. Even down there at the Salvation Army Red Chill, if a child comes to you and tells you something, be interested in what they're saying and and uh, look into it. I would imagine with with your background as a child that also gave, gives you a special sensitivity to see the signs of, of children who are being abused and, and neglected. Yeah. Well, it made me more alert when I was raising our children sure. to what could happen, and I kept a very close eye on everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, again, friends, we're visiting with Kathleen Salvel, a World War II veteran and 
and uh, wonderful life experiences. And again, friends, what what a beautiful thing of just being able to reach out and help someone in need. Here we we send John out, and Elaine just sensed there was something on the phone, a special case here, and we fixed the heat and and opened up this wonderful story. And again, I want to come back to the the need for us to reach out and serve others. And you've been doing that. All your life, Kathleen, we thank you for that. And again, maybe just one more word of encouragement from you for others to encourage them to get out and, and meet the need of someone else. What would you tell them? Well, you just have to make up your mind that it's not all you. Amen. There's other people out there that need, and you don't have to give them something that costs money. Uh, just show them your love and your Amen. understanding. Amen. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for being with us. May God bless you. And thank you, dear friends, for listening. God bless you.